Hello and welcome to Get It Off Your Breasts, the podcast that digs into the issues that get really under your skin. With no filters. I'm Emma Gannon. And I'm Leanna Bird. And this week we're delighted to be joined by our very first guest, chef and writer Gizzy Erskine, as we get to the nitty gritty of clean eating, influencers and the psychology of infidelity. But before we get to that, we wanted to say thank you so much for listening in to our very first episode of this brand new podcast. One of the reasons we really wanted to do this podcast was that, um, well, Emma, you and I met about a year ago at an event and we, we hit it off straight away and we really wanted to work together. But we also felt that there was a bit of a, a gap out there, didn't we? Yeah, we felt like some of the kind of standard TV panel shows that you see out there at the moment are quite focused on stereotypical women's issues and we felt like we wanted to broaden the horizons of that conversation. Yeah, so in a way what we wanted to do was create a kind of female-led roundtable discussion but not necessarily focusing on women's issues. Obviously we will focus sometimes on issues that affect women and bring a feminine point of view to the to the table but women are capable of discussing absolutely anything in the world um, whether it be science studies to social issues to politics um, to fashion you know everything's on the table there's no holds barred here and each of our guests is going to be bringing their unique point of view and something that they want to get off their breasts each and every week as well Emma and I definitely um, so strap yourselves in because we talk about lots of things that will contradict each other. We're very honest. Nothing is off the table. And we hope you enjoy our very first guest. Hi, Gizzy. How are you? Thanks so much for being our, our first guest it's an on honor. the podcast. Um, do you know, I was saying to Emma, so um, part of the reason that we really wanted you to be our first guest, other than the fact that you're really incredibly interesting, was that you and I, last week, ended up having an evening. We had a barbecue. <laughs> and then we ended up just staying up chatting till like two in the morning and we couldn't stop. And it was one of those nights, you know, when you're like, we have to go to bed now. Yeah. But just yes. say one more thing. Totally. <laughs> and it was funny, it's like we were getting more and more relaxed as, as the sort of night went on. Like, the, you know, start off, like the coat comes off and then you're like, we're going to put on our jammies and then the bras come off. And so you're like, <laughs> we were both like half asleep. Yeah. And like, just going, but stop still talking. talking. So it's I, like an old school sleepover when yeah. you're like, it actually really was. Really so I texted Emma straight afterwards, I was like, Gizzy has to be our first guest, she's got so much to say. Yes. Um, and on that note, so we've, we've each brought something to get off our breasts this mm-hmm. week. Um, and Gizzy, as you're our guest, it would yep. be rude not to invite you um, to go first. So what do you want to get off your breasts this week? Um, so I, it's something I suppose I'm seeing gradually um, mutate from something which I was really irritated with, which was um, the evolution of clean eating, eating um, which has kind of gone into this now backlash of clean eating, which makes me just as angry because there are so many people who were completely behind it who now, oh, you know, they're suddenly realising that it's completely uncool, that they're like, oh, there's so many talking glossy about. magazines who made it a thing yeah. now are tearing it down. Yeah, retracting all of those. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I feel like I've always been there at the forefront of that, like saying, where's the science? Where's the science? Where's the science? Can we not just enjoy our, our food? You know, let's just think pragmatically about this. Why does like moderation have to be so boring? And what is it now? Like we need to moderate our diets. But then they're still yeah. like in the same, you know, like you said, one magazine will be like, totally taking it down yet the the next page it will be like getting this new bikini diet which is mm. completely extremist again and it's like oh it's yes. so annoying like sorry i'm gonna go on a rant but like yeah. last last week i watched this um documentary which was called 
oh god I can't remember what it was it was about veganism which for me is one of the key trends at the moment in food and it's just so it, like it when in anything that's extremist I suppose you're you're sitting on this you're being you're pushing like this idea to the max where like they're in this thing saying eggs are bad for you they're actually one of the most dangerous foods you can eat and I'm like come on you know this is something that most people have been like most cultures live off you know this is one of the most valuable proteins that we've got in in our world you know and it's just like these dangerous statements and I, do, I yeah I've sort of like posed to, to Netflix I'm just like god you know if I wanted to go out there and see what what the you know how the world was being affected by you know, responsible farming and responsible moderate moderate eating. Would you do me? Would you do a documentary of that? And you're just like, nobody's gonna, nobody's interested because it's not a headline. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because I think like actually it can almost go the other way because when you start talk, telling people that this is bad for you, this is bad for you, this is bad for you, it can actually make an unhealthy obsession with mm-hmm. not eating and it can develop real disorders with people. Um, and I know like, well, I, I was quite sick last year, I had an autoimmune condition and I started to get obsessed with what I couldn't eat mm-hmm. and I started cutting out, cutting out, cutting out and it, and it made me more anxious mm-hmm. and actually, I then read a really interesting book by a woman who had a similar condition to me and she was like, stop thinking about what you can't eat and thinking about what's good to Mm -hmm. eat and just add those things in and forget about the rest. And it was such a healthier attitude. And it's really important and I think that's a key point. Like um, nutrition begins in the stomach with an unhealthy gut. We have an unhealthy mind. Now what we need to do is like understand that most of your serotonin is actually built from your stomach, 90% in fact. And if we don't, look after our mental health mm. um, as well as our gut health both of those things go skew if you know it's one of those cliched things that if you um, if you don't eat um, if you're, so if you're anxious about eating certain things you're more likely to hold on to these fat, like fats and stuff yeah. like that because you're holding on to all this bad energy actually um, and you just look at so many different sort of spiritual cultures which tell you that you know you talk about chakras and your stomach chakras mm. are the ones which let your digestion work and it's it's a very simple thing the more anxious you are about these things the more you consider them actually it doesn't matter you could be eating like green juice and you know mm. beans the whole day it doesn't make it doesn't make <laughs> any difference actually you're still going to be unhealthy because you've got unhealthy mind that's so true if i wanted to go somewhere and have like impartial advice because it's my problem i'm like yeah. bloggers the media um press releases that i get some books maybe like where is there to go where because there's someone called the angry chef yeah he's amazing so do you think it's 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 really positive with like people like yourself and with someone like him it is just kind of i mean taking a step back from it all it's very difficult because you know i mean i'm i was i overwhelmed that that documentary i'm gonna shall i google it because i want to find out what it's called yeah um that that documentary was actually allowed to be to be that it was legal um, so the fact, I mean, I could, there are so many sweeping statements, but then there's scientific evidence to back it up. But then you could, you know, with enough, um, if you go out and you interview enough people to skew something for your own purpose, mm. you are going to be able to get whatever you want out of it. I think it's frustrating. You know, I work, I work very closely with, um, nutritionist Rose Ferguson, um, and she's ex supermodel. She's a beautiful woman on, on paper. You might look at her and think, oh, is she another one of those, mm. you know, healthy blogger things, but she's not. She's a highly street nutritionist. She's working with Ulster University to make like a new coding system. 
And you know, this is somebody who has invested time, but it's somebody who has shares the same values as me. She loves food, everything in moderation to a point. Understanding the values of an independent person's, you know, like digestive system. Like some people can't process cow's milk; they just can't. Some people can't process um, gluten; of course, they can't. Some people have a really high yeast, um, or we were talking about this the other day, or like not enough yeast in their stomachs. Mm. You know, which which you know, it's like looking at that individual. You can't self-diagnose. That is the problem. And unfortunately, a lot of people one don't want to know the truth. They like having it. it makes them feel special being gluten intolerant or you know uh, even yeah. and even like it you know the the vegan thing for me is an interesting one because i actually believe on an environmental level we should be eating more vegan food you mm. know that is something which i feel very very strongly about but there everyone's a... talking about that cowspiracy like I literally know. every day i hear a mention of it i haven't watched yeah. it yet no if you it's... I, I i have watched it and it's really interesting but you've got to remember we're in england that's filmed in america all right and all of the, loads of these documentaries are filmed in America. You've got to remember that. We have totally different um, laws, um, agricultural ethics. We, you know, we do live in a completely different way. We are far more transparent in this country as, a, as opposed to the States where they do hide a lot of this stuff. Mm. You know, it is a different ruling saying that dairy farming and mass production of, of, um, uh, of beef is a problem to the world. Mm. There is no getting away from it. That is that is a fact. So we should be, and also it's like being a meat eater. You and you need a responsibility. There is the other side of the again, another side of the argument where you're so blinkered about this, where you're like, you know, I'm just going to have, uh, you know, I or maybe no, that's the wrong word. I take that back. Where there is the education, there isn't the education where people think, oh, I. I they don't realise that that's the case and they're just going to eat meat with... I mean, I eat meat three times a day. I'm from that background, bacon sandwich for breakfast, um, ham salad for lunch and bolognese for dinner. That's kind of standard skin fodder, you know. Um, but it doesn't... You've got to sort of educate yourself to why you're not eating these things anymore and what the value it's going to have on, on the environment. Now, I think we've evolved so much now that vegetarian food is delicious. We don't need to eat as much meat as we used to. You can eat seasonally, we can eat all these things. Mm. Um, and it's actually much easier for us. What inherently we naturally are drawn towards is a different. I struggle to eat less meat, but I really want to for the environment. I'm never giving up my Sunday roast. Mm. I don't think me giving up my Sunday roast is going to change the environment that much. And I can guarantee you having meat three times a week, four times a week mm. makes you healthier. Yeah. I can promise you, it's, a, it's a, you know, not saying veganism isn't healthy, but I, can, I spoke to my doctor the other day about this, and she was saying, and this is a, a hostilic doctor as well, she's a medical practitioner who has very hostilic attitude to, to health, and she said, she was just like, absolutely, um, veganism is not the healthiest diet in the world. I think, I think it's all about being conscious though, isn't it? So yeah. it's about making informed choices, and absolutely. it's like you said, everyone's individual, so you, there's no there's no hard and fast rule for everyone, and also it isn't possible to know what to listen to. And even, you know, you were talking about this documentary, and you were saying, well, there's, there is scientific evidence to back it up. But the whole point of scientific evidence is it's there to be then refuted later on because exactly. new evidence comes. And look at the fact like we were told so long not to eat fat, right? And mm. then we were told actually no, uh, it's sugar mm. that's the bad thing, mm. and that's going to kill you. Oh, and, and now fat's back in. Yeah. Have, so it's, it, it's constantly changing, mm. and, and no one knows, and we're constantly building on our knowledge. And all you can try and do is try and be a bit conscious, um, know where your food's coming from, exactly. think about it, and then make those informed choices, and not just do it, not just consume it mindlessly. Mm -hmm. I think that's the, the best way to try to approach it. 
100%. I mean, I think, you know, this goes back to the whole point when we were talking about the clean eating argument. You know, back in the day, if you were to say something to me about clean eating before, but it's like 10 years ago, and I did cook yourself thin, I would have said to eat clean foods. That would have been my, my statement. So what, what do you mean? So just, what, what do you mean by Pure clean? food. So, so mean no sugar as well and no... No, I mean, like things that you know where their heritage, you, you could find, the traceable foods, right? Mm, right. Um, and if they have been processed, it's an understandable processing. So sugar for example, or, you know, cheese, that all of these things are processed. You know, the second you make a smoothie is processed, just so you know. So, um, and that's a fact, that's the science, you know, that's the science behind all these things. So, you know, if, if you can, it's sort of like knowing that you're eating the best quality ingredients that you possibly can. And do you know what? I, you know, I live in the real world. If I'm going to have a, you know, I'm fam- I'm like one of the very famous newspapers busted me for having a McDonald's once. And I'm like, I absolutely, you know, my morals for knowing where this food has come from are the problem on that. Health-wise, once once or twice a year, I don't really give a damn. But you've got you've got to, you know, it's like you said, it's making that that just informed decision mm-hmm. about those things. Also, I feel like people in this industry, like it's nice to meet and hear from someone who is kind of relatable in a sense of I can't, I don't think I can afford to eat mm. like the most like organic clean yeah. like I go into Whole Foods and I'm like the yeah. people yeah. shop here yeah, all I the time I go to Whole Foods spending £15 on eight tomatoes and being like yeah. oh, too embarrassed to say no so and it's like, like being so middle ground shopping. in that respect so yeah. a bit but, but also I think like everyone's got different priorities and you have to pick your battles so yeah. for mm. you for example for me like um, you know it might be that we're thinking about like affordability one, one week or one month or one year or whatever mm. that may be um, for someone else they might have kids and they might be thinking purely about health because they want their kids to be really healthy mm. for someone else it might Timing. be about kindness and they, yeah. they want to make sure that there was le- no suffering gone into their food other people it's the environment you yeah. so it's just again like that you can't it's down to the mm. individual and we shouldn't really judge each other on what those priorities are because it's all the, the way i say it is for your own situation you do the best that you can mm-hmm. and not feel guilty about it like i mean you know i i think in uh, organic eating is a bit of a farce to be honest because of how with pollination it's just a you know i'm not entirely convinced that eating um organic vegetables is 100 percent feasible but I think, you know, also, uh, you know, it's like it's speed growing. Those are the things where you, they lose nutrients officially. But you know what? If you're skint, I'd rather you had a tomato than had a 2.99, you know, burger from a from a local place, you know, that you, it's yeah. just, it's those things that you've just got to, if we mind boggle ourselves with all of that information, mm-hmm. then it creates guilt. It's so interesting that you say guilt. Mm-hmm. Like that's, yeah. why are those two words so mm-hmm. same together, food and guilt? Like it's, it, they are, aren't mm-hmm. they? Completely. Just, it, and also, I don't know whether you agree, but I feel like being a multifaceted woman as well, like women are made to feel so guilty all the time. Mm-hmm. Work, life, food, diet, like the way they look, mm-hmm. relationships. Yeah, I mean, it's true. You very, very rarely you see um, men obsessing in the same way about those things. Um, but I also think that it's, yeah, I mean, it maybe isn't just inherently in how we've been programmed to be women. Or maybe it's just how, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. It is, I don't know. Do I, you find, like, being in this industry, because you've been, you've been doing this for years, mm. like, you're very established in this industry, like, and a lot of people have kind of come in, started a blog, and maybe two years in, they're, doing this stuff mm. is it interesting to have seen the waves and how it's changing how it changes yeah back? and it's really positive you know i did cook yourself thin um 10 years ago now and it was very it was revolutionary at the time you know the idea was we were looking at how to 
it was about diet actually but it was like you know most people want to drop a dress size they don't want to um lose stones so how can we all sort of be more conscious of, of how we're eating without actually doing anything hardcore to do it. I thought that was a really cool ideal because it is yeah. deep down how we all think despite you can be the coolest person in the world and say you don't give a shit about it but you I think mm-hmm. most women at the back of their mind are always like fussing with that one dress size mm. um so it was kind of you know how can I have my cake and eat or how can I have chocolate cake how can I have a curry how can I do fish and chips mm. and it was kind of you know looking at these things with fresh eyes then fast forward to 10 years and there's this extreme movement of you know we're looking at a plate that's like a sundial of you know colorful things which actually have no flavor but they're super healthy mm. um in inverted commas where there's no actual scientific evidence it's not evidence but there's no that there it is actually not not healthy because there's not enough carbohydrate there there's not enough protein it's not balanced you know mm. so if we were to take that on a plate it would be an unhealthy thing despite having more vegetables to it you know yeah um it's also complex it's so complex yeah. My problem is, is you know, the internet creates creative things. Bloggers were had this voice. Some of them are brilliant. I do believe the cream rose to the top with a lot of them. Unfortunately, a lot of these people were very, very young. Um, and I, it's sort of a thing for me where it's like, you can't, don't know the play and not the game, actually. Mm. A lot of these girls, you know, as they're growing up, they, they are becoming more educated and they are working with people who do know. Mm. And now the legal teams are all on board, so they have to be careful. Um, but... You know, it's the industry, like you said, it's the magazines, it's the publishers, it's the people who are giving them the voice, actually, not just the blogs, the the actual exposing those to to make them, um, you know, putting them in, in having a bigger voice, I suppose. Yeah. But people like big headlines, don't they? Mm. They don't, they yeah. don't want to hear, um, you know, it may be that if you have blueberries once a week, that may potentially be slightly healthy for you. They, they want to yeah. hear, blueberries will make you yeah. young and yeah. live forever. Exactly. And that's, you know, what people get yeah. excited about and what you want to, you know, pick up a paper for. I don't um, know how some of it's published when it's like, this can cure this I mean. rare disease. I'm like, seriously, this has been published. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at, there was a huge, <laughs> you're talking about the angry chef. He's, he's brilliant. I mean, he was one of the first people to... I think I was probably one of the first people who came out against it publicly and was like, this isn't insane. He was always sort of in the background. So both of us, I mean, I actually um, wrote a piece for his book, actually. Um, but, you know, and then suddenly the, the sort of world starts to move and you've got, um, you know, Jack Monroe was very vocal about it. And, uh, God, I can't remember her name. Terrible. She was she won Bake Off. Really sweet. Nadia. Um, no, a while back. I don't know if she won it, actually. Oh, God, I'm terrible. I don't, I don't watch television, so it's terrible. <laughs> um, anyway, she... Um, Ruby Tando. Oh, oh yeah, Ruby. Yeah. yeah. So she... You know, and then suddenly we've got loads of, loads of people talking about it. And it is now this movement, but I don't know. I feel like people... I don't know, like... It, it's, unfortunately, you're talking about headlines. It's boring. Mm. The headlines, the reality of this mm. is it's really boring. What? Eat better quality carbohydrates, but less of them. Eat better quality meat, but much less of it. Eat good oils, including fish oils. Eat double, if not triple, your uh, micronutrient, you know, vegetable, fruit offering. Drink loads of water. I mean, yeah. that's not exciting, is it? <laughs> it's just common sense. That brings me on to my... Uh get off my breast yeah. point, which actually fits in with some of this stuff. So I was qu- like quoted, interviewed, they used like a sentence in um, an article last weekend for Fabulous magazine and every single magazine is trying to get quotes on like the influencer movement yeah. at the moment. Because 
I like move in that world slightly, but I also don't want to be too much in it. Mm. And all of these articles are basically saying the bubble's going to burst. Everyone's milking it. Yeah. Everyone's just like saying yes to everything, trying to get as much money as possible. And last night I was at something and not, it's not like um, throwing shade on it, but someone introduced themselves as an online influencer. And I just, I couldn't make sense of what that actually is. I just, I was like, what's behind that? And what does that mean? My management have, have said to me that they are going to, like, it was so brilliant because I've got a publicist as well. God, that sounds so ridiculous as a statement out loud anyway but you do have that's part of your management team and if you're busy you need these people but um my management was like right we're going to call you gizzy Erskine chef um writer and influencer i'm like no 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 no. (laughs) this is i mean i'm like not of that generation for one what does it mean so they were asking me my opinion on it because i did a big partnership that came out this year and so well done apparently that makes me an influencer now because Mm. it means like my my influence in the tech world, mm. if I'm working with a brand, people have tweeted me saying, I'm gonna buy this now. So that means I have an influence, apparently. And, but I didn't mean, I'm not doing what I do to be influential, I'm doing it because I love it, and that mm. happens to it's part of your personality. But you can't, you, you know, you must realize when you have a voice like yours, yeah. that, pe- that people will hold on to and latch on to, that you are influencing gazillions of young people. You must realise that. So although when it's being used as a marketing tool for yourself, it's odd, there is a sentiment that you've got a, there is a huge value in what you say. I agree. And I said in the interview, I said, I wouldn't introduce myself as one. Like I went to an event recently and, and it was like a camping thing and on the on the sign on the tent it was like Emma Gann and then in brackets influencer and I genuinely had a shiver down my spine of yeah. like yeah. that's not what I do because it, it sort of makes it like less worthy. But then I did say in a massive company, like whatever, to use the term influencer marketing, like that makes sense in their in their within, corporation within themselves, and they yeah. need to use the word. But it's 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 like the difference between the, the label of influencer, which is one that perhaps if you put it on yourself or someone else puts it on you. I don't know. I I feel like that's it's almost like being given quite a lot of sort of responsibility as well. It's like saying you are now an influencer. Watch what you say, almost as well a little yeah. bit. Um, and then on the other hand of it, it's like well, you are influential because you have a voice and people listen to you, which I think is hugely flattering. Yeah, I think it's because if you have a history of work, like for example, with your writing and your cooking, you're then an influencer. But what I'm confused at is when someone hits 10,000 followers on Instagram for just putting up some pictures and then they're calling themselves an influencer. I think that bubble is yeah. like a bit fragile. It's, it's really fragile, you know? I think it's it's a terrifying prospect that, that these people who have... Oh god, this is really no. I'm not gonna say it because it's too it's too awkward. But like, they, get it off your breast, yeah. you got. I'm, I'm not sure. Like, you know, I think it can be dangerous that, that some people are given a voice when you were all allowed an opinion. Of course, and I've got it's this cliche thing. It's like everyone's entitled to opinion. Of course, they are. It doesn't mean that it's it's a stable, sensible, you know, safe opinion. You know, it's it's actually can be can be quite frightening what people's voices can do. Well, we Donald Trump is it's like the is literally an influencer. Like yeah. he's a reality um, TV influencer. I remember yeah. when I was in uh, where so was I? I was in San Francisco in a, in the back of an Uber like on that day. Mm. What was it? November the eighth. And I and I just said to the Uber driver, I was like, "What do you think? Like you live here?" And he was like. I, I I enjoyed his show. What was it? The um, Apprentice. Oh the Apprentice. My God. He was like, I think he's funny, but I <laughs> don't want him to be the president. Yeah, well, yeah. he's a caricature. That's yeah. the point. He's a caricature. 
But I think also, I don't, I don't know, I, I feel like, I mean, I don't, I've, I've not been called an influencer, so I maybe don't have the same experience of it, but I feel like if someone started to say that, I would. it's almost like being called a role model, and then you feel like someone's setting you up a little bit for a fall, or, yeah, or saying that you have to watch yourself a bit, what you say. And I, I remember, Gizzy, like, recently you were posting a bit more political stuff than yeah. maybe you would normally people be used to seeing on your mm. post and you got a, a bit of backlash from that and it was actually like actually you're a multifaceted woman mm. and you have opinion on a whole yeah. variety of things and I, I don't know I, I, if I if someone started sort of putting labels on you and saying like this is what you are and now mm. you're you've got all this amount of people listening mm. to every word it almost feels like is that trying to limit you on what well, you're allowed I, to talk about I'm sorry, sorry to make this about me but I've struggled with, it, with this being labelled as a chef or as we were yeah. saying, is it a food writer, writer? Like, mm. I stopped chefing um, officially, like in restaurants about 10 years ago or so. Um, but then I do pop-up restaurants about two, three times a year. I do, I cook professionally, I work with, with, in takeovers and, and I actually have more, you know, skills as a chef than a lot of people who call themselves chefs who don't actually cook in restaurants. There are two or three of the biggest TV chefs in the country who I don't believe have cooked in their restaurants for mm. years and I probably cook more than them but I feel such utter guilt about calling myself a chef is that because I'm a woman probably mm. is it because um I'm not sure how to uh, you know I know I'm multifaceted so I don't know how to like lim- I don't like being limited to being mm. one thing you know same as a food writer you know I'm mainly a recipe writer but I've written reviews before I've written features about political stuff like I I mean, it's, it's almost like, you know, back in the day, we always had to be inhibited by mm. our label of what we were we called ourselves. Yeah. Now I just, I'm lucky, you know, it, that's exactly it. Because we were saying, what do you say when you introduce yourself? And I, you were saying, I, you I don't hate like it. it when I, this is like, so when I go to, you know, like when you go to weddings, obviously, and you sit down on a, like a table or any kind of function like that, where you have to sit around and meet new people. I literally like I get like a shiver thinking like I really so just do don't do? want someone to <laughs> yeah. say, what do you do no, but I just also just think like it's a really unimaginative question and, and why does it matter like we could go around the table and all label ourselves but actually like can't we just have a conversation and see if we get on like I, I, I hate know, it I when you I think other things it's like sometimes people are being genuinely like nice because they're like what oh. do you do but at, you know those not, networking yeah. events yeah. where people are like I literally want to know what you do so I know how much time to spend talking oh, to you. But, oh I, but I think also, but it, it is that, it's that I, find, I find it an annoying question, to be honest. But also mm. I think that's partly because of me, because I don't have just one job. And mm. so I find that I'm annoying if someone says to me, what do you do? And I have to basically go, well, I do this and this and this, but I've also done that and I've also done that. And if I don't say all of that, then I'm yeah. not being honest. Yeah. yeah. But by saying it all, you I still feel like I then apologize like to yourself. Or then I'm being like a real show off and going, yeah. like, and then I just think like, I love the idea of wearing these different, different hats. Yeah. Can I tell you about when I met a really adorable Scottish lady who said she was a campaigner for HIV? No. And I got home and was like, oh, fuck, that was Annie Lennox. <laughs> no, legend. Yeah, that is brilliant. fucking on. Like a house on fire, and then I got home and I was like, Oh, oh my god, my god okay, that, that, so I love right. that. She wasn't like, you know, she introduced herself yeah. in a way that felt what she, but she, how she feels, what, how she sees well, her herself, biggest value, yeah. what her biggest success is, maybe. And but actually, so, that doesn't necessarily have to be her music, it was yeah. so right. But so, is this, is this indicative of like the whole way that we're going in terms of the way people are like seeing gender and sexuality and, and so much else as, as a spectrum now, and that the labels are being removed? Are we almost moving to that with like? career and job titles mm. that actually you don't need to say like this is who I am yeah. or what I am because who I am is much more than that but then also mm. as a reverse of that there was this thing like two or three years ago where you were like a model slash DJ slash slash yeah and I'm like and I obviously I've DJed since I was 14 so like I I still have that string to my bow as well but I never tell you know 
I did model for like five for, for five minutes um, when I was fifteen. Yeah. I don't put that on my bow, but it's like you know a lot of people do. They they feel that it gives them some kind of one-upmanship to have the slash. Yeah. Well, I'm, I am that. Yeah. yeah but I see, write. mine's mine's like, much I'm, less like mine. Being you much could less go and say I work for um, head of a charity. But, and, then major, and then maybe, but that's the thing. But then maybe also that maybe that's just because I've been super lucky, and we've actually all had quite you know amazingly um, interesting different careers. Whereas maybe someone who is a doctor and you know has obviously done a variety of different things, maybe they wouldn't feel that that was an annoying question to be asked. Yeah. Maybe they're just like, I am a doctor. It's who I am. Maybe they that's much more part of their identity. Yeah. Maybe only if you've lived kind of life where you've changed a lot and done a lot of different things do you even think about that as being an issue I think as well that in this like self-promotion world like your Twitter bio and your Instagram bio we're like in a bio world where it's like what is your character who are you who are you so if you struggle with what that bio is like you could struggle with confidence okay what does your bio say Gizzy do we have a look yeah I've got to say actually I changed my my um my one says okay so my instagram is chef an award-winning food writer uh world nation food tube host columnist um food cats music 60s time with a space man's face travel and then my book <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm such a, a, lot I'm such a slasher you're a slasher you're a slasher <laughs> you can just wipe that all off and write yeah. slasher. slasher what does yours say that does say a lot about your identity outside yeah. of that as well mine says Oh, I don't know if this sounds wanky or not. I'm reading it out loud. Like I'm maybe like, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a creative woman refusing to be pigeonholed. Write, yes. Write lots. Host control up delete podcast. Wrote a book. Have a blog. Did a TEDx in Microsoft's latest TV ad. Nice. Bosh. Like I, it. I just was like, how do you fit that in to make sense? What's yours? Mine just says speaks and spells. I was trying to. I was like, yeah, this radio X thing, this podcast, if writer. Then I just thought, I speak. And a spell. Yeah. I write stuff and I say stuff. Yeah. And that's basically I it. Love that. and, so but also, it. and I like speaking spells as well. <laughs> but also, you're very concise, whereas I like waffle loads of shit. So it's kind of like Gizzy, you're already you good are, at summarising. You are the first person in my entire life that's called me concise. I, I think, I think I'm like the least succinct person. I think in the you world. are you're very you can articulate yourself in like two sentences, whereas I will get take me four years to get around to my point. <laughs> I love that. I think bios are hilarious. Like some of them I think with some really, really Really, really famous celebrities their mm. bio is just like all right yeah, <laughs> your bum. Like, yeah. so i wanted to like just ask you i'm back to what you started on which was this whole idea of someone saying you are now an influencer do you do you think that you'll ever be comfortable with that or do you would you prefer not to be and do you think that that bubble's going to burst or do you think being an influencer is going to be the future job that people go when i grow up i want to be an influencer oh i think that, that's already happening. i think yeah there was yeah. that study actually that um i think it was like 18 to 20 six-year-old said that they wanted to be a blogger over like t- footballer or pop star you know those like original goals but, is now but you know what that's not so bad because i remember i think it was about 10 years ago and they did a study and they asked i think it was little girls um in primary school what they wanted to be when they grew up and the number one was a footballer's wife and so i think if you could want to be a blogger at least you're someone who wants to do something yourself yeah, not marry someone something. who does mm. something so yeah. that's more aspirational but, that's but the true. amount of people okay do you get this as well the amount of people who come to me are almost asking for the shortcuts to get there mm-hmm. it's like i mean that's i imagine it. all Overnight of us success thing all of us have got there because it's through 
um, lucky accident, you know, and and hard graft mm. actually, and and being talented. I'm sorry, I'm going to put myself out there as like I'm, I'm better than a lot of people who haven't broken through. Yeah. That's the truth. Yeah. And there are lucky people who break through without that, but. You know. I think it's like we're in this culture where people just want things on a plate mm. and if they want it now, like we can buy, we can get an Uber, we can get an Airbnb, we can order a pizza that can arrive in five minutes. So like, where's our career? But that's also because of but, things like shows like X Factor, there's reality shows which, mm. which sell, sell you a dream that you can become an overnight success. Yeah. So I think that's... But to answer your question quickly before we move on to your get yeah. off your breast, breasticles. Um, <laughs> my, so what you're saying does it bother you I think the only thing that worries me is that the more I call myself or act or introduce myself as an influencer I think the irony is lost there's an irony there yes. because I will become less influential the more that I think it's like when you're saying you're cool it's like yeah. you're not suddenly the second you say you're cool you're uncool no, exactly yeah. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's the thing not calling yourself it mm. but if someone else calls it yes. you that that's fine mm. yeah. okay so what's yours okay so I'm um, I'm really interested in relationships and the psychology of relationships and the difference between genders. I find it just ridiculously fascinating. And there was a study out about a couple of weeks ago that came from Cardiff Metropolitan University, which I found really surprising. And I wanted to get it off my breast mm-hmm. and get your guys' thoughts on it. So basically what they did is they asked people, um, of uh, women and men, they asked them how they felt about their partners if they cheated on them. And what they found from the study was that men whose wives or partners cheated on them, blamed their partners, not the men who they'd had the affair with. Mm. But if you switched it, women whose partners had strayed, whose husbands had strayed, so we're talking about heterosexual relationships here, blamed the other woman. And I just found that really interesting. And and I wanted to, there's a second part to the study, which I'll come to in a minute, Mm. but I wanted to know whether that's your experiences as well, whether not just personally, but from friends or whatever as well. Do women blame other women? Whereas men don't. Do women always get the blame? And if so, why do we think that is? Mm. And it's not fair, is it? Mm. Why do we always get the blame? It's a brilliant question. So so I guess, I mean, I don't know. I wanted to ask you guys, like, how would you feel? Would you think, do you think that's right, what the study said? Do you you think women do tend to blame other women? Well, I I read something um, from a presenter person who had written an article who said, whose advice for young women was to have a happy marriage because she's got a, a publicly famous happy marriage. Um, girls, make sure that even if you're not in the mood, like have sex with your husband, like most nights, just to keep him happy. That's my mum's advice as well. And I, yeah. part of me was like, I actually probably do do that sometimes when I'm not really in the mood, but I get myself into the mood because mm. I'm like, sex is so important mm. for closeness and relationships. But on the other side, why do I have to worry about him straying? That's me saying it's my fault if he does. Yeah. I think, I think, I, see, I don't necessarily think it's you saying it's your fault. I think that there is. Um, it's almost a responsibility with sex if we're going to go into that that you actually that, that it's quite easy to lose track of and the second that you don't invest in that it's and I think it's really important to invest that time like you said for closeness and for you know I think the second unfortunately it, well it's a very important part for me I don't I don't feel an old feel, boss of mine used to schedule it into her diary I but mean surely that, but surely that goes both ways though that's not just for women that's for men too yeah so surely that advice is for men as well and um, um, you know that you just both in a relationship have to make time for each other yeah I I, 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 I agree but it's very I mean the amount of times like you know I, I was talking to a friend of mine recently and she's like She's had a baby, uh, they're both back at work, she's exhausted, she's like, we're not having sex, and you know, I still really fancy her, I just cannot be bothered. But it is the same thing, you know, I actually brought up that same sentiment, which was, if I, you know, 
if you don't have sex with them, they're going to find someone else to have sex with. And that, for me, is a terrifying thing. So you are right. It's a libido thing of, like, I have to get myself in the mood and, like, put it in my diary, like, dinner tonight, like, woo-hoo, get involved. Slash, a man is normally usually always on and ready. Yeah, I think so. they don't have to gear themselves up for it. Like, I shouldn't think of it as a chore, Mm. and I don't. But also, the second the pressure's there, I'm like, oh, another thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) But then I think that sets a really dangerous precedent, because I think that's saying to women that, like, if they're not in the mood, that that's that's not necessarily okay, and that they owe it to their partner to give them sex. And actually, if you're not in the mood... that's quite... Yeah, and then you're getting into a really dangerous territory. Oh, it's so hard. But but also... the truth is, if you don't... Then it's a sort of a responsibility to the relationship. I don't know. Like, to but that was an article that... that went viral. That was like how to please your man, and it was like give him a cold oh. when he's got out the shower. And this is like 2016 article, like gen- like yeah. no, um, they weren't being funny. But this is so what you guys were saying there in a way was almost well sounded to me a little bit like so if you're in a relationship and the man strays it's almost like saying well does the woman blame herself but actually what the study was saying is they blame the other woman so it's the whole Mm. idea of like you know women blaming women for stealing their man Mm. or for like leading them astray and like why why are men let off the hook in that way like what why does that happen why do we think you know I mean, obviously, you would be angry at your partner. I mean, how, how would you? How would if? Obviously, let's you know. God, that's never happened. But if your if your partner strayed, would you be more angry at him, or would you be more angry at the other woman? Um, him definitely from me. I mean, hundred percent him because I don't care about the other woman. Um, yeah. You know those like rom coms where the the women befriend each other mm. and text each other, being like outing him and mm. then they both like gang mm. up on him and like I, I can imagine doing that I can imagine yeah, befriending the other woman I, I, I would be like god what's going on he's a shit yeah so but then, then, but then in a career context yeah. historically women all still think there's only one woman for the job and so they always blame the woman for taking their thing and, and, so, do, and do you think also because women have an expectation that other women that there should be some kind of a sisterhood or a support or an understanding that you know this is your partner that you found your person and you know women have it not always easy in life and that how could you do that to another woman i don't know like i think i i wonder if it is i don't know i feel as i've it's like god this is really bleak but as i've got older i feel like i don't i, I have my friends and my friends the women that i'm close to I, and men you know like but i don't feel like you have inherent trust from anybody mm. like i you know i feel like if i wanted support from if i was going through a break i wanted support from my male friends within that situation I think people just look after themselves that's the fact you know and I don't I think you can as much as you can be good and kind and thoughtful and considerate and and be the best human you possibly can be you know I think that there most of the time if people want to justify something to themselves they will I don't know if it's acceptable with regards to blame sorry just just go back because there's one thing I was thinking um that there are women uh sorry there was a Thing about breakups and about how people who are able to just they be able to get through their breakup more if somebody's cheated on them um, oh. because they have someone to blame. Mm. So I wonder if it's the ability to blame someone because um, we do live in this blame yeah, culture. Right. And actually, if somebody broke up with you and was just like, you know what, I'm just not feeling it anymore, yeah. and it's you know it's not you, it's me. That's harder to deal with than yeah. they've cheated and they've been a dick. Because then you could okay. blame, especially, you know, as a woman, you could say, well, it wasn't my fault, I didn't do anything wrong, but this other woman came in yeah. and she ruined our it's lives. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's kind of justifying it in your head, like, yeah. it wasn't working. 
and maybe that's why. And yeah. it's interesting because both of you seem to say there that actually you'd be more pissed off with the with your partner. And I, I for me, that makes sense because yeah. the partner's the one that has the responsibility yeah. and the trust for you. Maybe but you then, don't want to believe that your that the that the husband or the partner is that bad, so you want to yeah. blame yeah to take them back. That's true. But, but I think then, I look. I mean, we definitely as women we look on for the positives and. But and then I do men, think they don't deserve it. If we, a lot of time. But I do think if them, we look but, at if we look at the media and the public reaction when you have these very public. Um, affairs or breakups I do think the women get painted in a totally different light mm-hmm. and I think often you know you'll be seen as marriage wrecker and you see it a lot you know the whole people talk about the strictly ballroom strictly ballroom is it calm dancing so yeah, yeah. Um, the curse and it's you know it's the, the you know she's a marriage no, she's care. a marriage wrecker mm-hmm. and I don't think guys get that same kind of slack if a guy if a woman leaves her husband for the guy then the woman is seen as how could she leave her husband and children this awful woman and if a, a guy leaves the wife, it's how could this woman steal another woman's husband and child? So I do think the media does, and, and the public do tend to kind of almost back up this study oh, yeah. and what they seem to find, even though we seem to know. Do you want to hear what the, what the explanation yes. from the scientists was? Yeah, yeah, go. Oh, yeah. So they said that they thought it could be because of, well, evolutionary, because of our caveman past. I'm not sure I would totally agree with this, but let's see what you think. And they said one explanation may be that women, because they are the choosier sex and bring up the children, are therefore seen as the most important sex for childbearing. This is why they may be blamed for a relationship breaking down by men or women, whether they are inside or outside of that relationship. So that's essentially, Mm. is that sort of, in a long and short of it, saying women should appreciate the sisterhood and therefore they don't? Like, is that, I don't know. Well, I think it's saying that because we evolutionary are the ones who will childbear and therefore are finding ultimately you know we're looking for originally for a mate to have these mm. children we're the more important role in that family yeah, to no, keep the family that. together yeah. so yeah. if we break it it's seen as more like sacrilegious like how yeah, can a right. woman walk away from her responsibility as a wife and mother mm. whereas right. guys it's seen as well that's what they are they're mm. straight they, you know they're spreading oh, their God. sperm it's natural it's, it's another example caveman. of like you can't win you can't lose and then the men win 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 yeah what you know the second part of that study yeah so this was another part of it which is really interesting as well so they they got those there was um 21 men and 23 women and they got them to look at like fake messages on facebook which detailed like different kinds of cheating relationships so basically they read messages that their partner was receiving from some random and then they asked them to like rate how distressing they found it from one to ten and the kinds of things they they did were basically either messages which were suggesting a very emotional connection with the partner but no sex so the example of that was you must be my soulmate feel so bloody connected to you even though we haven't slept together so no physical relationship there but an emotional connection and then the other side of that was messages which intimated that there was some sexy times going on mm. but not really anything else so mm. you must be the best one night stand i've ever had and the men were really upset by the one night stand the sexual messages that they felt really distressed really betrayed really hurt the woman not so much they were like well Whatever, so you know, obviously distressing, Mm. but much more distressed by their partners having an emotional connection. Mm. Yeah, I get that. I sort of get that. I think, I think it's like how, but then I guess it's like how romantic you are, how invested you are. I don't know. Like I, no, it is a really tough one because I remember when I was at university, my boyfriend, my then boyfriend, when I was like nineteen, snogged someone else on the dance floor, <laughs> and I was like, I didn't really care. Like you had a gross snog with someone else, but you and you were really drunk, and I like was actually all right with it. I wouldn't allow yeah. that now, um, but that's because I'm like, I feel like I'm in a more very very different yeah. relationship where I actually know what things are now. But um, the emotional texting thing would be mm. 
I, I would feel but really it, cheated by that. But again, I think that could, you know, you can look at it in that kind of caveman mentality as well of like women who, who are ultimately, you know, are going to be the child bearers are trying mm. to, I don't want them, their man to, their caveman to go off and find another family to raise, mm. right? So they want that emotional connection. Whereas... So it's less threatening... Mm. If someone just has a one night stand, doesn't tell you about yeah. it, then where someone who you? might go and leave and be like a serial dad, where is for a man, right? If you think about it, again, looking at evolution, for a man, you never know 100% really that the child is yours, right? You're with a woman, you have to trust that this child yeah. is yours. So, what's the greatest threat that your partner is having someone another oh, man's yeah. child and that you're raising that child? But you know, then you have to look at like the whole of like jealousy. Like, what is the point of jealousy? Like, why are we as human beings even involved to feel jealous? And mm. it's not just us, animals can feel jealousy too. Like, yeah, there is obviously, yeah, dogs can. You've and, got and more food than me. Yeah. yeah. No, but you know, there was a really cool study with dogs. And they um they showed that the the dogs got jealous of like a fake toy dog when the, their 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 owner was playing with it and they got really upset and it was like obviously like there is a reason like an evolution reason reason that dogs and human beings have this kind of jealousy and it yeah. must be to somehow keep our species going I don't mm. know I also think it's a really useful emotion like if I get jealous of something and that's my problem it's not nothing that anyone else has mm. done yeah. and I'm like why am I jealous oh I I want that yeah mm. why don't I try and make steps to go and get that yeah rather than just sitting there being jealous. It's such a gross emotion, isn't it's it? It's funny, like, I don't, it's uh, it's funny when we look at sort of different emotional things. We were talking about this the other day, like, really, like where you actually, like, I don't feel jealousy. It's really strange. I don't know if that's sort of like a sociopathic thing. Like, oh, you know, some people don't feel empathy. You know, some people, you know, I, that's so nice, I have a really it must odd... Be freeing not to... It, it is, but people don't understand it. So if I'm in a relationship, that is a problem. You know, people want you to feel like that, I mean, I'm very impassioned and I'm very righteous and I can, you know, I'm a huge romantic, like scary, like not scary, but like, you know, <laughs> a very, very intense romantic. But I don't feel, I sort of have a very pragmatic approach to jealousy. Like if you're gonna cheat on me, you're gonna cheat on me and hopefully you know the consequences mm. of that. And I don't, I don't know why, I've just never felt it. I've had very jealous boyfriends. I think that's, I think that's nice not to be like, I think je jealousy, you know, if you look at it at its most extreme, can tip over into... Like um, that play, Othello. Yeah. Or yes, <laughs> that yeah. play. That, that, <laughs> that play <laughs> by that writer. <laughs> yeah. No, but it, it can be, it can tip over into like, it, I think it's like the number one reason that, that people give for domestic abuse. Mm. And so it can mm. be a really dangerous thing. Um, so actually, I think your approach is really healthy. Mm. And it's like, if someone's gonna do something you're you're being jealous isn't going to stop them and actually mm. it's probably going to push them more to it by being paranoid and freaking out about it and there's nothing you can do there's, there's nothing, nothing you can do you can do. Yeah. yeah that's so true yeah and it's like if they're going to do it you know go to town I hope that I recognise it and I hope you realise if you're busted you're out yeah. Yeah. or uh, you know we'll be in a pragmatic I'll be able to pragmatise that in a different way on the knowledge of it but how do you feel about just going to like would you ever read anyone else's messages? Yes, all the time. Oh, yeah. Just because I'm nosy, though. Because yeah. I, I used to, with my ex just want to know where I stand. I used to have a little bit. And I feel, I can't believe I did that now. Oh, I absolutely would. Like, a bit of snooping. Mm -hmm. Do you know, I'll tell you something, right? So I, when I was young, I, like, obviously, we didn't really have mobile phones, but when I became a teenager, I used to just, like, pure nosiness. This is really weird. I'm going to sound like such a freak, but I used to read my dad's phone just because I was just, like, I didn't have a mobile phone, and I was like, I'm That's just going to read my dad's messages. Like, and they were really boring. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. They were literally, like, yeah. he barely knew how to send text messages. Yeah. It was, like, things like, call home. But I just yeah. used to do it, and... And I do think that's a massive invasion of privacy. <laughs> what about, what about that thing? There's always that statement of, 
but you know I've seen if I've had it before it's like well oh you've been busted I read your text message and it's like you shouldn't have like read my text message and read your privacy I'm like yeah but you've been busted yeah. you know who's worse the person who's been a dick frankly than the person who's invaded the privacy I'm yeah. sorry also, you've got, yeah you've got nothing to hide yeah quite because I did a surprise party for my boyfriend a few years ago and it all went really really well and his friend Tom, uh, Tim was in on it and like sent him to the pub came back surprise and a year later he admitted um, he, he'd, he'd accidentally seen on my laptop so the yeah. whole thing was yeah. not a surprise do you know so some things need to be like but do you know what I it, it, think it comes it always comes from a place of insecurity these things but I, I had a, a boyfriend when I was about 18 and we, we were together for like three years and I thought we had a really great relationship and we went on a big holiday with a load of our mates when we finished school there was about 40 of us so basically all our friends were there and it emerged during the trip that every single person on that trip knew that he was just cheating on me left, right, oh, and centre throughout the holiday, apart from me. And I think what was, I was obviously really upset. And, you know, we're great friends now and it's completely fine now. But at the time I was really upset. But I was, I was upset obviously that he cheated. But I think I was more upset by the humiliation that everyone knew. Yeah, yeah. And that lack of knowing made me want to be someone who reads messages mm. because it made me feel like as long as you know, know yeah and it's like that feeling know, of lack well. of control and I know you and obviously well, you want to be humiliation yeah so I feel I can feel humiliation rather than jealousy like if you're like that for me is a horrible but then I think what if you your friends being treated on would you tell them oh. oh I've had that situation and it blew mm. up in my face I, I told them about four years afterwards when they were still together because I saw it was getting serious. We were really young when I found out and she was really upset with me and didn't speak to me for nearly a year because I hadn't told her for so long. But yeah, I, no. and so I now would always tell that person. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted to say with the, with the text reading thing that you were saying there, I think it's justified like at the beginning and then I think as that yes. person proves their trust to you, like they might not know they're proving their trust to you because they're unaware that you're checking their but I think like that insecurity is okay. Like you have that like lack of trust, but as your relationship builds and grows, you you know you shouldn't keep doing that unhealthy behavior. You yes. should you should okay. learn to trust. But yeah, yeah. no, I, yeah. I would tell on your marriage vows. Yeah. I vow to not read your phone. Would yeah. you Would you tell a friend? Um, oh, I'm 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 of the mind that it's like not my business, which I don't I think, think is very a good, helpful. Here's a good happy medium. This is what I do. I get I tell the person who is cheating to tell that person. Mm. If not, I would tell them. Oh, that's what I yes. did. That's what I, I like did. That. Yeah. Can I just say that is what I did? But also and he, and friend, he does, if yeah. it's my best friend, like my friend that I've known I mean, yeah. too, yeah. we're like that's, sisters. Yeah. If it's a friend that like I still think it's correct to let that person yeah. resolve that thing yeah. for themselves. And then if they've done it, just be like, you know, I told them. I don't know. That sounds good. Take, take the credit. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Um, I, I did try and do that, and the no, guy convinced right me that he was just going to stop, and then it and then it happened again, and that's yeah. why I ended up oh. dragging it for so long. But you know, yeah, you, yeah. You, you you live and learn. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you guys. I feel much better. Me too. Do you feel like you've got a lot of fabrisco? Absolutely. Do. I'm kidding, I my bra. I have to say, this is, this is possibly my favourite thing about today is that. Before we started, get it off your breasts. You actually took your bra off I and got so the bra brand. off your breasts. And I think we should start every podcast yeah, from now on by all just removing yeah, your bras. Yeah. Honestly, I feel great. For <laughs> like, yeah, my shoulders are like dropped. I'm yeah. way more relaxed. Um, so I hope that's therapeutic to listen to you as much as it was for us. Thank you so much. Oh my god, that was such good fun. I kind of want to do this every week with you. Well, thank you so much to Gizzy. I uh, hope you enjoyed listening to our very first episode of Ooh. Get It Off Your Breast as much as we enjoyed making I that. I loved it. It's like therapy. 
I can't wait to see what Dorno Porter brings to the table next week and what she wants to get off her breast because she is going to be our very special guest. So please make sure you're listening in next week. If you can, in fact, click subscribe wherever you're listening to and then you'll never miss an episode of Get It Off Your Breast. Yes. And while you're there, please rate and review us. Um, we really appreciate it. It just means other people can listen and, and we can make this into a brilliant community of people. So, yes, hope you enjoyed it. And thank you once again for listening. We'll see you next week with Dawn. Dawn O. Porter. Bye.